This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. was 127 years old, she died at the place now called Hebron in the land of Canaan. There, Abraham mourned and wept for her. Although not much of her story is known outside of her husband, she is the mother of a nation, and hers is a story worth being remembered. Sarai's story begins with hardship. The first mention of her name in the Bible is accompanied with the reality of her infertility. This plagued her for almost three quarters of her life. In an attempt to outsmart her situation, she suggested that her servant, Hagar, could be the solution to continuing Abram's bloodline, for the Lord had promised to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But when Hagar got pregnant with Abram's child, she began to act out against her master, treating Sarai with disrespect. Sarai blamed Abram for Hagar's bad behavior, but Abram told Sarai to treat Hagar as she saw fit, since Hagar was her servant. Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she ran away. Thirteen years after Ishmael, Hagar's son, was born, God again promised Abram, now Abraham, a son. This time, God promised Abraham a son specifically through his wife, now known as Sarah. When Sarah overheard the men speaking, she silently laughed to herself, thinking that 90 years of age was too far removed for childbearing age for this to be possible. But God noticed Sarah laughing and asked her, Why are you laughing? Is anything too hard for the Lord? But Sarah denied her laughter. One year later, Sarah held baby Isaac in her arms. God provided a son for Abraham through his wife Sarah, just as he had promised. Sarah passed away 37 years later and was buried in the land of Canaan, where her descendants would eventually come to live, just as God had promised. Well, good morning. It's great to see you today, and welcome to first Sunday of August. Welcome to a new sermon series called Women in the Bible. We're really excited about it. Uh, Over the next five weeks, we're going to be taking a look at a number of different women from both the Old Testament and New Testament. Next week, um, we've got women who are in the line of Jesus, and then we've got Mary, and then we've got some other women in the New Testament, and then we've got the last one, KJ. Women in Acts, that's right. So we've got this big, long scope, and and, and we've been blessed, too, because we've got some creative people around us, and they've gathered some more people around them, and, and then they can do stuff like what we just saw with that kind of overview so that we can get a big breadth of a story of, of somebody's life, of their, of their impact, of their story, so that we can take a look at it uh, both broadly and then somewhat in depth. Today we're going to be taking a look at Sarah who is uh, the wife of Abraham. She becomes the mother of Isaac. She becomes the mother of a, of a nation, which is 
true. She becomes the people from whom the people of, of Israel come. And, and then she's also somebody who walks in faith with God and who laughs at what God says, or at least laughs and then, and then has faith at, uh, in there at, at some pivotal moments in her life and in her story. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to be taking a look at that. We're going to actually go to an in-depth point from what we saw in that, in that overview to a point where three visitors <clears throat> who are traveling uh, through the land of Canaan, they come along to the tent that Abraham and Sarah and their encampment uh, with er everyone else who's with them. Three visitors come along and Abraham greets them and he says, come to my, come to the place where I'm staying. Come to the place where my tents are, are pitched and um, stay with me. Have dinner, have a meal. And so Abraham invites these visitors. Now Abraham and Sarah don't know that the visitors, uh, they don't know what they've come for and they don't know yet at this moment that the visitors are are God. In fact, um, as, as other people have looked at this story, as the story, as the story writer himself will say, it's that God has come to visit Abraham and Sarah. And so we jump into the middle after dinner, and here's the conversation. Um, the men said to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And Abraham said, she's in the tent. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year, and when I arrive, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent opening just behind the man. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old, and Sarah was uh, far past the age for having babies. So Sarah laughed within herself. An old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband? God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, me, have a baby? An old woman like me? Is anything too hard for God? I'll be back, the Lord said, about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. Sarah lied. She said, I didn't laugh because she was afraid. But the Lord said, yes, you did. You laughed. And there ends the reading with the Lord acknowledging Sarah's laughter. Now, Abraham and Sarah, uh, they are not, they don't have a clear insight as to why these three visitors have come their direction. They don't, they don't have any idea that the Lord himself is, is going to, reveal this, this endeavor to Sarah. But one of the things that is clearly present within the, within the text, within the story, is that God wants to come close to Sarah and he wants to say something directly to her. He wants to say to her that she's going to have a baby. She's going to be part of, of the world in which she has been hearing about, in which she's been living. Sarah herself is going to have a baby and the Lord wants Sarah to know it. Uh, Sarah's been hearing a lot of other things from a lot of other people, but the Lord wants Sarah to know this from the Lord's own lips because it's important for Sarah to know that she's seen by God, that God sees her, that God knows her, that God knows what her name is, that God wants to do something in her life. So the Lord comes close for a purpose. He wants Sarah to know that he's close to her and that he's going to do something in her, in her life. Well, this is a, a unique place where Sarah finds herself because at no point in the history or in the story that we've heard up to this point, except for one previous time, do we hear God coming close and talking with Abraham about Sarah. 
for, for the last 24 years or more of Sarah's, uh, of, of this journey that, we, that began in Genesis 12, almost the entire story is focused in on Abraham, her husband. In Genesis chapter 11, God comes and he tells Abraham's dad, uh, I want you to move with you and your family. And so they move from somewhere in Iraq up into northern Lebanon. And then uh, God comes again to Abraham and he says, Abraham, your dad didn't go all the way. I want you to move from this place down to a place where I'm going to give your family. And so Abraham begins to move. And God not only talks about with Abraham about having a, a place to which he'll call his home, but he talks about how Abraham's going to have a f family. And he's going to have more descendants than there are stars in the heavens. And then he says, Abraham, and I'm going to make your name great. And you are going to be a blessing to the entire world. And from Genesis chapter 12 on, there's all kinds of things that happen in the life of Abraham and Sarah. But every time God comes close, God comes close seemingly to talk to Abraham. And Sarah is left in in a position where she has to hear what God's up to from Abraham himself. And so uh, God comes close in Genesis 13, and Abraham goes and says, God said, I'm going to have a son again. And Abraham says, that's great, and who is it going to be with? And she says, because I don't seem to be getting pregnant. And God comes a, close another time and tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. And, and Abraham goes and he tells Sarah, God said, I'm going to have a son. And Abraham says, that's great, because I'm getting old. Who's it going to be with? And uh, at no point in those times does God seem to say that it's going to be Sarah. So Sarah, working this out, that Abraham seems to be the guy who gets to hear from God, says, okay, maybe you should take Hagar, my, my slave girl, and have a baby with her. Maybe that will be the promise that what God has made to you. See, um, Sarah doesn't realize that God intends to include her and that the promises also include her, the promise for a son. She's on, she's on the outside. She hears everything about faith, everything about God, all comes from Abraham. She hasn't had her own experience yet. God comes close because he knows that Sarah needs to have her own experience. All of us need to have our own experience with God. We can't live simply by watching the faith of somebody else or living with the faith of somebody else, whether it's a friend or a parent or somebody else. God comes close because he wants to, to talk directly with Sarah. This year at Vacation Bible School, I was uh, in a storytelling room, and I asked uh, the person who was in the storytelling room, our, our helper, our guide in that place, I said, uh, tell me about how you're here on, on, uh, on the morning through Vacation Bible School. He said, well, I take vacation time to be here. I said, why would you take vacation time to be here? He said, well, many years ago, when I was just a little kid, I was outside playing one day, and, and my friend had a ring and he brought this ring up to me and he squirted me it was one of those it was a, like a squirt gun ring and I said that's really cool like where do you get a squirt gun ring and my friend said uh, at vacation bible school and he said what is vacation bible school he says he, he told me a little bit about it and he said so the next morning he said be here at eight o'clock a van will pick you up and, and it'll take you and so he said I did it 
and I got a ring. But I didn't just get a ring, but I started to hear about God. I started to hear that God cared for me. And that set him up for years later when he was dating the person who is now his wife. And, and she turned to him one day. She said, you know, if this relationship is going to go someplace, if it's going to have legs, you're going to have to come to church with me. He said, I never went to church. It wasn't that I grew up against going to church, but I just never went to church. That wasn't something we did. She said, well, you're going to have to go. And so off we went to church. He said, church was an interesting place, a good place. I ran into people who were kind and they were nice and they, they seemed to care about me. And then I heard about God. God seemed to come close. That's the place where Sarah's at. She's been living, kind of just hearing stories, but not really connecting. But God in this moment wants to come close to Sarah, wants to be direct with her. Um, Pastor Jim, a few moments ago, talked about Alpha, about how Alpha is a great place if you've got questions, if, if you've kind of been on the outside looking in, you know, maybe hanging out with somebody who, who goes to church or, or your spouse says, hey, honey, let's, let's go to church today. But you've never come alive in your own heart, in your own faith. If you've got questions, Alpha is a great place to go and ask those questions. And it's not just a place where you get to ask questions, but it's a place really that's designed for us to open up and, and have an experience with God, where God will come close. But you know, you don't really have to wait for Alpha to have that moment. There's a promise that the Lord made through the prophet Jeremiah. It goes something like this. He said, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. You seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Because there's something that's been, that's coursing throughout the pages of Scripture. And it's this desire that God has that everybody would know him, hear his voice. And that everybody would know that God sees them, cares about them, loves them, longs for them. So you don't have to wait. I mean, Alpha's great. It's a great place to get your questions answered. But you don't have to wait God encourages us to seek him, to long after him, and to find him coming close to us. So there's Sarah, 24 years, waiting. And then she's in the tent, and the Lord's outside asking about her, and he says, when I come back a year from now, she's going to have a baby, and Sarah laughs. Sarah, it just begins to laugh. Like, she can't help herself, right? She's 90 years old. She's 90 years old. She's been hearing about this for a long time, and now she hears, hears it for the first time. And Sarah just laughs. On the one hand, she's a realist. And then on the other hand, she's like, it's just too incredible to even think about. Over and over and over again in the text, the, the writer tells us that she says, I'm old, he's old, we're old. There is no way that this is happening. Right? Um, just impossible. Not only is it physically impossible, but the reality that that age has had on their bodies is is that there's there's nothing to help Abraham there's no little blue pill there's nothing he can take and it's not only that but their marriage is such some suggest their marriage is such that Abraham and Sarah have not been intimate for a long time. 
they've not been close to one another. Abraham looks at Sarah and says, she's got problems, her womb isn't open. And Sarah looks at Abraham and says, you're so distant from me, we, there's not even been an opportunity. Sarah, taking it all in, she just simply says, this is a good one. This is something to laugh about. I don't know what to do with this. Reinhold Niebuhr, a theologian of the early 20th century, said, when Sarah laughs, God sees an opening. He sees a prelude to faith. When something sounds so incredible that it just makes you laugh, it's, it's like, aha, there's something I can work with here in this moment. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jim Mason and I went down to Gailey's for lunch. Pastor Bob was away on vacation, and so we went down to Gailey's. We actually went there two weeks in a row. I don't know how we missed that. Like, uh, we're not always aware of the obvious, I guess. But we went there two weeks in a row, went into Gailey's. One of the uh, waitresses greeted us and reminded us that we'd been there the week before. And then she said, and you guys will be with somebody else today. So we're, so we're like, thank you for that. So we, we, we took our seat and the server came up and she said, um, you know, first thing she was after was what we were going to drink. And so Pastor Jim ordered a nice tea. And then she looked at me and she said, and what will you have, dear? And, and I paused for just a moment. I said, um, I know that my, my hair is starting to recede and it's not as thick as it once was, but am I really old enough for you to call me dear? And, and quick is that she said, well, normally I call people honey bear. And at that moment, Pastor Jim about fell out of his chair. Like seriously, honey bear? She, he, said, he said, please do, call him honey bear. He said, it will make me happy. And of course, everything is about making Pastor Jim happy. So he, he encouraged her, and I'm like, this is not a good day. But she kept coming, she, she came back, and she came back, and at least twice, at least twice while we were there, she called me Honey Bear, and Pastor Jim keeps falling out of his chair. It's like, get up, it's, it's not that funny. So at the end, after we've settled up and we've done the check stuff, he opens up his wallet and he starts pulling out bills after bill after bill. He's like, she deserves a big tip after what she's done today. Then we get up and, and we're leaving and, and we get to the door and he turns around, Pastor Jim does, and he looks at her and puts his arm up like he does. He said, you've made my day. It's the best day. And, and she, in that moment, server at that moment, she spins around and her arms up high she says, see, she says this to her manager, see, my life doesn't suck. <laughs> and we're like, what? This day does not get any more weird. And we, we laugh, but we got to the car. And it's like, you know, there's something really, really profound about that moment. Because that woman is just like Sarah to a point. And she's like a lot of us. She's going through life, fighting life's battles, trying to make it, trying to survive, trying to understand what her purpose, what her sense of calling is, trying to figure out if she makes a difference in anybody else's life. 
trying to know if somebody sees her. And two yahoos like Pastor Jim and I come walking along. We're not angels like the angels that come in in the book of Genesis. But there's laughter. And where God sees laughter, God sees an open door, an open window. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what the Spirit's been doing with you, how the Spirit's been knocking on your heart and speaking things to you. I don't know what great call of God there is that's in the back of your mind, maybe that you've heard recently or you've heard a long time ago. More often than not, a lot of times, we see the obstacles. We see the reasons why we shouldn't do something or why it wouldn't make sense or how maybe our past won't let us embark on that future. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that when the Spirit speaks, you sort of chuckle, you sort of laugh, and you just set it aside. But God does. And whatever it is, know that God doesn't, he doesn't let up when you laugh. He doesn't turn aside. He doesn't wander off. He doesn't say, I can't use that. No, God he stays close to Sarah. He says, I'll be back in a year. And you'll have a baby. And a year later, she holds Isaac. And she says, anybody who hears of this story is going to laugh along with me. Because what I thought was too much trouble, God said, there's, there's nothing too great for me to do. Nothing is impossible with God. So there's Sarah. In the, her past, the story of God was the story of God and Abraham. It never included her. But now God draws close to her, draws her up in his own story. For, from her will flow a great nation. From her will, will be the descendants, and one of the descendants will be Jesus himself. But you know, right in that moment, when her heart's open, when she's ready, when she's ready to receive, God draws close to her in that moment. Her past and her future and her present, they all collide. How does God want to collide in your past and your future and your present? How does God want to draw close to you? I'd like to suggest to you that if you've always been watching God from a distance, open up your heart. Say, Lord, here I am. I don't know what you want to say, what you want to do, but here I am. And if you say something funny, I'll laugh. Don't hold it against me, I'll laugh. But here I am. Kind Father, would you draw close to us today? Some of us have journeyed with you for a long time. We know what your promises are, and we hear you fresh with a fresh voice. We give you thanks. But some of us, Lord, some of us have never heard you, and some of us haven't heard you for a long time. We see you working in the lives of others, but we wonder how you want to work in us. Would you draw close to us? Would you speak in a voice that we know that it's you who's speaking?
And would you give us faith? Faith even. A laugh. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.